Hello and welcome to the Win Win Effect podcast with your host, Chris Ross. This is the show for anyone that wants to drive productivity and maximize potential in any industry. Let's take a moment. Have you ever wondered about the psychology behind the persuasive marketing driving you to take action, sometimes on products you never thought people would buy? Well, that's just what makes this podcast stand out from the others. On these episodes, Chris will break down proven strategies that his companies use to respectably enroll prospective students into the correct programs to achieve overall business success and fulfillment in life. You will get a rare centralized look into both sides of the buyer-seller relationships that I'm sure anyone tuning in will receive massive value from to implement instantly. There are huge quantities of informational material from companies just trying to sell products, but not many giving you the right information on how to build companies from solid foundations, focusing on customers actually winning as the outcome. The Win-Win Effect podcast is a character-based code for human interaction and collaboration in business. Time is the only non-renewable resource in life. So with this podcast, the outcome is designed to bring you value to make it worth your time. In a previous episode of the Win-Win Effect, we discuss a little bit further in detail how to dive into that first call with the different approaches on sales strategies. As we dove a little deeper and exposed a lot of potential opportunities for you to learn more how to serve your clients better, a lot of salespeople are not really truly grasping the idea of what is coming through on the other end of the phone. Think about something for a second. Say, for instance, you've been in business for over a year and you've done pretty well for yourself. You've got over that $1 million mark. Congratulations. So you go back to the drawing board and measure and reassess and you're starting to see a pattern. Inside that pattern, you're starting to recognize and identify opportunities where you can grow your business to new heights. So you do something you haven't done before. You research a company, you invest your money, and someone gives you a call. As you go through the process, you're noticing how the seller is not addressing the questions, comments, and concerns that you're bringing to them. How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel about the product? Does it feel like you're wasting your time? Objections are a direct reflection of how well you do your job as a salesperson. Wes, would you agree to that? I mean, what's your input on this? If you're trying to make the sale and you're getting objections, I mean, you haven't had all of those objections off already, right? So when you get to the point of closing the sale, it means that you've done everything that you possibly can or everything with that person that you need to, to get them to a level of buying confidence, you know, that they're just ready to go, right? So I would completely, completely agree with that. It's, you know, how well did you build rapport and trust with that person? If you're not comfortable handling objections, here's a tip. Always agree to disagree sometimes, but you're going to address the situation. And then we taught you on a previous episode, deal with that and then try to move on positively. And you're always going to agree, but you're not going to agree to their viewpoint. You're going to agree to disagree at certain points. That's so important for a buyer to hear you say that. I can't tell you how many salespeople, Wes, they think that 
rapport, well, developing rapport and maintaining a certain level of rapport, you always have to be on their side of being their friend. What's the danger zone for that? Oh, when if you if you get sucked in it, that is the worst place to get sucked into. It's it's like it's the friend zone, right? I mean, it's the point where now you feel obligated to get sucked into their bullshit, right? Versus, like I will tell you that, like if if I'm in true rapport with you, I can tell you that the way you're thinking isn't in alignment with what you're trying to do, um, and I can I can go against what you're saying, right? But I can do it in such a way that you understand and respect why I'm telling you what it is. And I'm always going to back it by the why. And so the, but yeah, getting to that point where if, if you're, if you're too friendly with that person or you're always agreeing with that person, then you're going to end up agreeing, you know, to write yourself right out of that sale. I believe it's our job as salespeople, as an industry, as a community. And it's my job, particularly as a sales trainer to educate as many people as I possibly can. If you're not comfortable handling objections, I'm going to give you a tip. This is what I used to do when I very first started out in sales. I grabbed 10 flashcards, got a pen, and I wrote down 10 objections that I usually would get. The top 10. On the front, I would write the objection. On the back, I would write out my rebuttals. That was my way of being able to identify how to overcome and develop more confidence of being able to speak with authority. Does that make more sense? Yeah, it's extremely important for you to, to understand everything behind that objection. Right, the objection because most of the time, as as you already know, Chris, the objection isn't what it really is. What's really wrong, right? Isn't what's stopping that person. Mm -hmm. That's just what they're giving you, basically, because they're telling you, "I don't feel comfortable and I don't really trust you yet." Right. right? That's how I see objection. Right. You know, and so, and of course, you know, sometimes it's not the right buyer. Right. You know, of course, from you know, very minimal amount. If you're doing, you're the right targeting. That's not usually the case, but. Sometimes maybe it's just not the right fit. But in most cases, when you have an objection, that basically means that you haven't done what you need to do in order for that person to not have that objection. So, you know, with that note card idea is, is absolutely brilliant. And the, the one thing I would add on to that as well is break down each objection to where it stems from. Mm -hmm. Right. Where does this stem from? And not just from, you know, OK, so this person may be, you know, going through their path of what they've currently you know been going on, has experienced a number of set things, right? That has now caused him to have this type of an objection or it's based off of maybe the way they grew up or maybe it's based off of, you know, another encounter they had with another salesperson and now they have their guard up. But again, it goes back to if that person views you as an authority and, and they really truly trust you and they feel like you have their best interest, now they're more obligated to put those objections aside because you've already over, you've overcome them or had them off before they even got there. Here's my point. And just to add in on what you're saying, Wes, and everything you're saying, I completely see eye to eye with you. Understanding where and start to identify where limiting beliefs come from, that's a huge tip. Because once you start picking these off, you can start understanding pattern recognition. It's not what they're saying to you. It's based off of their actions. Where's their go-to? I talked about in our previous episode about the top five people you spend the most time with. And I actually labeled them, didn't I, Wes? Yep. When I label them, I label them the objection because I want them to visualize that person as the objection. That's what's holding them back. I'm not trying to alienate them with their friends, but I will expose what they're doing or what they're not doing. And it can change the way that they're looking at business. It could change the way they're looking at the particular opportunity. Trust is a big thing for people. 
I'm telling you right now, Wes, if I don't trust you, you're not checking my mailbox. Exactly. People buy from people they what? Trust. Or they want to be like, similar to, who they look up to. But when you look at that sentence and you're asking someone that's new to sales, they would probably say, I don't know. You tell me, Wes. What would they say? People buy from people they what? I, well, that's a good question. <laughs> For me, it's the people buy from people who they, who, who they trust, right? Or who feel like they have their best interests at heart. But as far as, you know, what a new person would think, uh, maybe they'll put it back to where they feel like the product is maybe going to give them the best, you know, value. You just hit a trigger. It's like a landmine. When people talk about product, when I'm talking about a first call, it makes me want to chop people in the throat. Yeah. Like, like I want to become physical. I'm not that I'm going to. I've never been physical listeners. <laughs> I cannot stand companies. And, and there are major corporations that actually do this. Right when they get somebody onboarded and they go through their bullshit training, their training is all about product knowledge. Has nothing to do with the being able to understand how the human brain operates. Why do people have it backwards, Wes? Because they're so focused on selling their product that that's all they teach, right? Because... Think you know the other way of of truly tapping into that human element or that the the brain and the psychology behind what's going on is much harder for people to understand. And so when you're in a corporate setting, most of the time you hire people and put them in those positions that maybe not necessarily were the best salespeople and don't truly have an understanding of what's actually happening happening in that interaction. Right. So you can never come and tell me how someone is going to feel. Right or what someone is going to say in any particular scenario that per- that's unique to that person. But what you can teach me, right, is why certain things are said. Right. What do, what do they stem from? Well, how do they make them feel? So when I train sales, I don't train to how do you sell this product. I train to how can you truly like I will get so granular to where I'm going to teach you the why behind even every word that I say or the tone that I use in the sentence, you know, that I'm, that I'm speaking. Right. So once you understand that and then how it makes the buyer feel and where then it allows you to transition, now you have a much better idea, right? Now you understand why everything is happening and it's easier for you to implement. But if I come and tell you, you know, this is the process and you're going to get this series of objections. And then this is how you had these objections off. Like a lot of salespeople, and I'm going off on a little bit of a rant here because this kind of pisses me off. And a lot of sales trainers, that what they do is they tell you, here's your series of objections. And when you get them, now you go ahead and this is what you say. These are the questions that you ask. When in reality, you should ask, why did you even get this in the first place? Right. And so why did you even get this objection? What did you not implement in your sales process or in that conversation that got you to this point? And what, how much control did you really have over that phone call? You know, so... That's those are the things that need to be trained on, and those are some of the hardest things to train on because most people don't understand them. I struggle with this sometimes with the rapport level thing that when you find a common ground or you're trying to mirror, you're trying to angle it a certain way for them to understand your point of view. I struggle with that early as in my sales career because I'm not a fake, I'm not a fraud. So if you say something to me, I have my own mind and my own views. But I'm not going to affect them with my views, either positive or negative, unless I was able to get a connection. Does that make sense? 
So if I'm able to gain a connection with a particular person or a prospective buyer, client, whatever, if I'm not able to connect, I'm not able to come through as the authority figure expert because I didn't know anything about the freaking products or service I was selling. Today, you can put me in a phone and I'll sell anything you want me to sell. A lot of people say that. But what I'm talking about is I'm not going to sell that product. What's going to sell it is my confidence and me speaking as an authority figure. Right. Yeah, people are going to buy you. Right, exactly. They're in no one can buy me. I'm not I'm pretty expensive. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm never be buy bought. into you. How's that? <laughs> it's you're not going to buy. You know, they might buy my they might pay for the experience that they have with me cuz most of my buyers enjoy buying from me. They right. they actually enjoy it because that's where how much I love what I do is I focus more of my attention on how can I make the customer experience more enjoyable? How can I right. streamline it? How can I get them to maybe give me more referrals? We'll get to that later. But everything you do is to establish trust or gain and build another layer on. Would you agree? I would. As human beings, we tend to trust people we like or who we want or who we look up to. This may sound like a world's biggest no-brainer, but it's actually quite profound if you stop and think about it just for a second. The biggest part for people is they, they get so sucked into the society and what everyone tells them what they should have in life. Why is it? How can you detach yourself? What advice would you give the listeners to detaching yourself as a new salesperson to not be affected by other people's bullshit, even on the sales team? Yeah. You, ultimately, it's prioritize your, your main goals, right? Prioritize your goals to the point to where you understand that you are going to be the reason why you become great. Other people will help you and influence you along the way, but you are the reason why you'll become great. And so you have to find, you have to take ownership right, of everything that you do. And in and, and every interaction, you have to take ownership over that. You, have, you can have sales managers and you know, other people who can keep you, hold you accountable, but ultimately you're the one that has to, that has to take ownership over it. And so understand that you want to be the best version of yourself and, and the best salesperson you can be and prioritize that and say, okay, if I get a, a certain piece of advice from somebody, I'm going to break it down. I'm going to see, okay, how does that actually work? How does that affect the buyer? All right. So if, if I actually implemented this strategy that this person is, is telling me about or influencing me on, if I, if I say that to a customer, how do I think, or me, if I put myself in a position of a customer, how will I take something like that? All right? Does it actually... Does it actually promote me becoming an authority figure? Right? There's, there's, only, there's really a few main things you want to do on a call. You want to become an authority. You want to build credibility. You want to build trust. Okay, And, and those really are the three main things that you want to do on a call. Because once you do that, then people now are bought into you. Right? And once people are bought into you, now they will purchase whatever it is. Because it's never about the money. It's never about the purchase that they're making. It's how confident are they in the fact that you're actually going to help them, right? So ask yourself that question. Is this truly me getting those three things, right? Cre uh, credibility, authority, and trust. So in anything that I do, is it going to help me or is it going to hurt me build those three things? And if it helps, great, implement it. If it doesn't, you stay away from it. It's all about being comfortable. Just to add on that, having that set as your objective. And if you're a new salesperson, I'm trying to think in a way of trying to train it because there's some, there's some of those things that you're mentioning, Gus, it comes with 
natural ability sometimes. And sometimes people need to learn that way. Some of the best salespeople ever I've ever come in contact with are introverts. One of the major reasons why I would always advise them to go and go to a speaking class is because they're starting to remove themselves away from what they feel comfortable in. It's hard for people. So as a new salesperson, and you're mentioning credit, what did you say? Credibility, trust. What's the other one? And authority. And authority. So when you're going into those three, think about being an authority figure. And if you've lived in a box your whole life, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or sheltered. Yeah. You're, you're not going to have to, you're not going to be able to do that effectively. But it all starts with you identifying some commonalities that you currently possess. Let's do a little assignment real quick. I want everyone to think of someone in your life that you think you trust. You feel you trust. And I want you to visualize the person. Do you have them in your mind? Great. Now tell me this. Do you trust them? Of course you do. That's why you're visualizing them. Now think of someone that you're not too sure about. And don't say Wes. <laughs> Maybe you just flat out don't like them for whatever reason. And that somebody popped in your head. Do you trust them? No, you do not. Interesting, right? Now that we know people buy from people they trust and they trust people they like, how do you determine if you like someone? People like people they connect with. Where am I going with this, Wes? Yeah, it's, it's ultimately about how do they make you feel or how do you make them feel, right? And so are you gaining a connection with that person or do you feel like there's a wall in the middle and you're trying to break through that wall. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have to, you have to develop that. And I'll add on to that too, with, with introverts as well. And that is that when you're on the, especially if you're someone that does phone sales or it doesn't matter whatever your role is, when you step into that role for that day, you can truly become somebody else. You could, right. You could be a certain way as a normal human being. Right. So for me, I'm naturally a little bit more reserved, right. I'm a, I'm a lot more reserved of a person, right. I don't, you know, yes, I talk to people, um, I conversate with people, but naturally I'm a bit more reserved. And, uh, but I'll be on the, I'll be on a phone call and you would think I'm the biggest extrovert, mm -hmm. right? As I'm doing a sales call, because now I step into another realm, right? So now this is who I am, you know, as, you know, of course, all of the things that I do naturally and who I am as a person is all a reflection in my phone call. Right. But now I'm another person, right? Because now I am the authority. And that's the first part, right? So, you have to visualize yourself as being capable of becoming an authority, right? So, and that goes back to limiting beliefs that we talked about a couple of episodes ago, mm -hmm. right? So if you don't view yourself as an authority, then what's stopping you from doing that? Because if you can, once you fix that now, now it's a little bit more natural for you to be able to do that over the phone or in your sales interaction. Right. There's, there's some main characteristics of connection and how to gain a connection with anyone you talk to. I can give a shit if you're walking down the street and going into a coffee shop. People who demonstrate being humble, um, being very honest and open, being authentic, being their true self, and the appropriate amount of vulnerability create deep and meaningful connections with human beings. I don't give a shit who you are. If you're able to demonstrate these four, it's going to be really powerful for someone to connect with you because I don't believe every person in this world is a great person. I don't believe every person in this world is a bad person. 
there's bad times and there's good times for each. So what I'm trying to say is you got to catch people in the right time in your life. Is either they're there for a lesson or they're there for a reason. And if you start viewing things that simple, it's important, but how to connect. Those are the four main characteristics. And I'll say it again. Make sure you write this down. Being humble, being authentic. Do you check in with yourself on a daily basis to make sure that you're being your true self? Are you being open and honest about your true feelings and emotions? That's the big connection there. And are you able to be vulnerable? Myself, Wes, I'm not a vulnerable person. I struggle with this. Me being with my wife has taught me to learn how to be vulnerable. But to be able to create a deep and meaningful connection, you need all four. Would you agree? I would. I would say I would struggle with the same thing as well. I think it's the fear of loss for me. I mentioned before that one of my biggest catalysts is fear. And that fear comes from pain. It's not fear of something happening. It's the fear of loss, having something I've already achieved. Yeah, you, like you see it all the time. People that do things, they're sometimes extraordinary and they achieve all these accomplishments and they say, for instance, make a bunch of money and money is just a tool. We'll get to that later. If they lost it all, they would give a shit. They'd be like, yeah, whatever. But it's the status. It's the way they feel in their mind. Do you see the connection into that? Yeah, it, go, it goes back to where they view themselves and how they feel. Right. And I'm making an example here because I want you, I want to demonstrate how to start viewing things differently as a salesperson. For your first call, and if all the salespeople are listening into this, and I don't give a shit if you're in sales or not, if you're in just in business and maybe just in your personal life, how will your friends score you on these four characteristics? Think about that. How would your buyers score you? That's pretty powerful if you think about it that way. So why are you? Ha- why do I have the viewpoint? Why am I bringing this up, talking about the buyer? And I'm not going into opening the questions and all that bullshit that we discussed the other day. The, that's the piece you need to actually be able to have a quality interaction. Right? That This is where a true quality interaction happens. Not about understanding, knowing the questions. All those are important. But if you don't get this piece then those, all of those things are not powerful at all. They're not, you're not going to be able to know how to use them the right way in order to supplement exactly the, the interaction that you're having to be able to extract the information and the things that you need and make the buyer feel the way they need to feel and also edifying yourself and building that credibility within your, you know, for yourself on that interaction. So that, this, is, this is by far the most important piece right here before we ever get into any kind of questions or the process or anything along those lines. And we gave him a tease the other day. You know, we started going into some questions and and it's kind of hard not to, to be honest with you, Wes, when we do what we do and we love what we do. And I'm sure that people can see the simplicity in some of the questions that we're asking. But do you believe truly, and I want everyone to actually think about this. Do you believe that I would be able to say that confidently and being true to myself if I didn't have the knowledge to back it up? And the knowledge that I gained over the years to back it up comes from hard work. And it comes from making sacrifices. It comes from me dedicating as enough time as I need. Do you notice I didn't say dedicate a certain amount of time? (laughs) I need a certain amount of time to be able to understand things and do it my way. I talked about the flashcards earlier, sitting on my desk and flipping them over. 
I still remember those 10. We can get into those later, but I don't have to deal with them now because people don't ask me or say objections. They don't bring it up because I handle things way out in front. It's how I make them feel. And I remove all the resistance because I'm giving so much knowledge and value and I'm able to communicate that and try to educate them on how they can actually implement some of these strategies to see the same or similar results. Why do people complicate things? Usually it's a lack of understanding. That's where knowledge comes in. Right? So, you know, you educating yourself so much that that's the critical piece. And, and the key word there is the need to, right? How much you need to, because this is, you know, thousands and thousands of hours of work, right? And, and effort and intentional effort put in, you know, to become great at what you do. And you have to have that level of commitment. Right? You absolutely have to have that level of commitment in order for you to be able to excel and truly understand that buyer-seller relationship, right? That's the, really the biggest one. And that's why I always use a lot of visualization and I still do today. I use a lot of visualization because I need to try to visualize what's happening in that interaction. And that's how I, when I got really good at, you know, heading off objections, it's because I would envision that entire process and what that person is going to say to me. And then from there, I would start heading off those objections in the language that I'm using and how I'm, and how I'm saying it to that person. Right. And, and that's where, you know, I came up with the, with the fact that there's, those are the, you need three things on a phone call in order to, to be able to be, to have a successful phone call. They need to see you as an authority, trust and credibility. And you have to control every part of that process. Right. So how they feel at every part of the process and how they view you and every part of the process with every single word that you say. And it sounds like a lot. And that's because it is right. The words that you say can be very simple. Right. I don't have to use college level words in order for me to be able to build authority. Right. It's the way that I come across and the way that I sound and how confident I am and how my language is always going back to helping that person solve whatever that problem, need, want, desire is that they have. Right? So you have to break it down in the, in, at a granular level so that you understand every little piece of it. And, and you got to ask yourself, are you dedicated to that? Right? And, and once you start doing it, you're going to fall in love. You truly are. Well, let's teach them how, shall we? All right, let's do it. If you want to connect with your buyers, be yourself. Try focusing on being yourself. This leads to personal trust. We mentioned before, what Wes mentioned before, talking about them viewing you as a a friend and getting into that friend zone. I know we're not doing a dating podcast, (laughs) but having them view... (laughs) It could work though. Yeah, right. It could work. Same shit. Same method. (laughs) Having them view you as an authority or expert is completely different. And this will give you credibility and that leads to respect. I used to tell Wes will probably go nuts right now if I say this, but I'm going to say it. You don't have to buy from me. You don't have to do anything, but you will respect me. And you're going to respect me based off the value that I'm bringing. And it's kind of hard to deny someone's ability to be able to overcome or communicate what they're passionate about. I haven't had a buyer tell me that I wasn't passionate. It hasn't happened because I'm extremely passionate about what I do. Right. I love what I do. If I, this is what I love about entrepreneurship. I can do this until the day I die. 
if granted, I'm not going to be 90 years old trying to speak into a microphone. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's different levels of success, in my opinion. <laughs> you know what I mean? But in order to be a trusted as a professional, you need to demonstrate consistently through your knowledge, skill, and capability. Those are the other three. If you have the right knowledge, and I'll use an example, industry knowledge, product knowledge, customer knowledge. But here's the key. None of those fucking matter. None of those matter. You know what matters? The ability and capability to understand what the buyer is going through. If you got that down, fucking good night. You just insert freaking product because if you're going, especially if you learn from Wes or you learn from myself and the methods that I developed over the years, I can teach you to sell anything. It's not about what you're selling, it's how you're presenting it and when is the right time to present it. Exactly. There's a lot of times that I, I get, there's a lot of times I get people on the phone, Wes, and I'm like, how the hell did you get a call booked in with me? Do you see, that's a whole other, that's a whole other level. I don't, shouldn't even go there. Like my team is skilled enough to be able to get the right people in front of me. I'm not going to talk to people for no reason. That's what I have companies for. If I'm going to work with someone that I want to work with and I feel that I, I can have a level of expertise and I can help them and serve them in a positive way. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But if I'm not going to get on the phone with someone that's broken and I'm not talking about financially, like I don't have time to fix broke, <laughs> you know, like right. it's, that's difficult. You're going to have to step your game up, come up to my level. If you're not coming up to my level, I'm not talking about my level of like financially or whatever, those types of level I'm talking about inside of my mindset. You know what I mean? Like inside of my mind and where I'm trying to view things. I'm not going, it's kind of, uh, I can't remember who said this first, but it's impossible to win an argument with a stupid person. Right. Well, exactly, exactly. And then that goes exactly into what is that buyer's intention and how receptive are they? Uh, because if I, if I go into a sales interaction, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the client, I'm, I say this to every new client I ever have, and that is that, uh, during the time of this call, I'm going to let you know exactly what you can expect from me and what I expect from you. Right? And one of those expectations is going to be that I don't need you to know everything. I don't need you to be the most talented person. Uh, you know, I, I don't need any of that. What I do need is the fact that you are willing to be receptive and you are coachable and you are someone who's actually serious about getting to whatever result is that you are looking for. Right? So. I gain that commitment from them and I set it as an expectation or I will not work with you. Right. So that's the authority piece as well. And so what type of relationship do you have with your client or even that initial phone call that you have? Do you sound desperate? Do you sound like you are, you are, you know, working so hard to get this sale or you are, you know, truly, you know, you're not the one in control. They're the one in, in control. Right. Or do you sound like an authority, someone coming in and saying, I am here to help you. And my expectation is that you're willing to be helped because if you're not, then forget it. I can't help you. Goodbye. Mm. Right? So that's the attitude you have to have. And it goes back to your mindset. I'm usually able to identify this within the first 45 to maybe and maybe one minute, 45 seconds to a minute. If there's someone I should be speaking to. Yeah. And I'm not trying to you know, sound like it's that easy to break into. And I'm just going to be able to ask certain level of questions in a sequence for you to be able to respond in a way that you respond. And sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say things and how you respond. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not here to judge anyone. I'm not going to judge you. 
I'm just going to process you inside of my own mind of where you go into the buying time frame. And is it worth my while to being able to spend the time, my time, and you know how I view my time, Wes, and how I, I value it. How I spend my time is the most important thing to me. It's a non-renewable resource in life. It's the only. I can't get that back. Especially now being an entrepreneur and me owning a different types of businesses and me investing into other companies. I don't have the time. I'm trying to create more time based off of the decisions and choices that I make. If you don't know how to transition yourself from that personal trust and going into professional trust, sharing your knowledge and value, show evidence that your company knows what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> you know, like keep it simple. Right. Leverage them first, and then you're able to develop more. And based off of the experiences that your buyers have with you, you're able to get testimonials and gain testimonials and gain experience. And that way, you're able to lead with that now. This comes with experience. Takes time. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of power in we. Mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of power in we versus I. Right. So if and your and your client doesn't matter how big you are, doesn't matter how knowledgeable you are or, or experienced you are, there's still going to be some clients out there that are going to need to hear we. Like we are working on this. We are here to help you, and not I. Right. Because maybe in their mind, an I can't help me, but an entire team can. Right. So you have to gauge that as well. That's a whole other part of understanding your buyer. You know, is that is that person looking, you know, do they, will they feel more comfortable if they feel like they have an entire team on board and not just myself or they're just dependent on my opinion or, or my judgment? Right. So, again, it's going back to you truly need to understand who the person on the other side of that line is or the, who the person in front of you is and truly what they're looking for. Right? You have to step into that realm. Just another person. Right. Well, exactly. And transitioning from personal trust. The professional trust, that that's where the authority comes in. If you don't have that, that transition won't happen. How easily is it for you to make that shift? It, it truly as easy as really as, as easy as making a decision or a choice. Right. And so it comes back to setting the expectation. How you start that phone call, that first five seconds of that phone call is what's going to dictate how the rest of it's going to go. Right. Unless you're good enough to bounce back. But when you start, you have to start from authority right from the start. And, and then go into building that trust, right? So who, what are your expectations? What are your standards? We talked about this in the last uh, episode. So when you start that phone call, what is your standard of going into that phone call? Right. Are they going to control you today? Or are you going to control that conversation today? And I'm going to get on that phone. You know, I'm going to say, hey, John, this is Wes here. How are you doing today? Great. Right. So, and then I'm going to come in and say, okay, you know, and, and I'm, I'm so happy to hear that, John. And John, what I want to do today, I want to let you know today, the agenda for today is going to be that one, I want to understand a lot more about you. Okay. It's very, very important for me to understand a lot more about you in order for me to be able to truly help you moving forward. Right. And then from there, what I'd like to do as well is I'd like to set some expectations around what I'm looking for from you and for me to truly be able to help you as well as what you can expect from me. Okay. And that's, that's very, very important. And then moving forward, we, I'd like to go ahead and, and get a plan together for us for our next call and how we're going to move forward so that we can make sure that we're on the right track. Okay. And, and we're in alignment with what you're trying to accomplish. How does that sound? Amazing. Right. So, and now, now I'm going to transition, right? So now I'm going to transition, but I've already set the expectation, 
right? So I've already set the expectation that I am the authority. That's all I did there. That was the purpose of that entire thing that I'm going to control this conversation and I'm the authority. I know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about, right? That was the whole purpose, purpose of that beginning, the beginning of that phone call. I've heard a lot of different explanations, views on the opening call and setting the expectation and creating enough rapport or developing enough rapport to lay down a solid foundation going into being an authority figure. You mentioned dating earlier today. It's very similar. However, some people would say the first call is like dating. It's not like dating. I don't go on dates with people that I don't know anything about you. Right. That call is everything to do with, do you have any type of potential to serve my needs as a seller? Basically, do you have a need and want for my help and my services? Stop overcomplicating shit, man. It's not that difficult. However, I won't make it to five minutes on a phone call if I feel that you're not the type of student I'm looking for or type of buyer I'm looking for. It doesn't make any sense to me. Professional trust without personal trust lengthens sales cycles and inserts more competition and generally decreases customer loyalty if they buy at all. I've seen in my own sales team before we're able to train them on the viewpoints of, listen, you're an authority figure. You're there to give a recommendation and then move on. That communication, once you go through that buying cycle or sales cycle, they move on to the next appointed person inside that company for them to be able to have that transfer. You need to transfer everything you learned and discovered about that potential buyer and having your client move over to the next professional. And that turnover is important. That's a whole other topic. But if you don't have professional trust, it's very difficult to communicate with your team members about their story on what they're trying to do in their journey. Right. Exactly. And so, and that you mentioned on something that's actually very important too, and that is you never want to make, you never want the buyer to feel like there's truly an endpoint, right? You want to make them feel good. When you close out the sale or when you're at that point where you're going to close out the sale, you're always using language. Well, you know, when we talk again next time, okay, what, what's going to happen next, right? All of those things, because the buyer always wants to feel like there's a next, right? They never want to feel like it's just going to end. So that's, that's actually a huge point. What about then? What about now? What about this? What about that? Like, you're going to get a lot of these questions, right. but if you, it's your job to paint that picture, like I don't move on to the next appropriate meeting. If even if I establish that we should have another meeting. I'm going to paint the picture on what's going to happen in that meeting. Right. So that way, when they, when a customer or buyer comes to that meeting, they're prepared. Right. They will have, and this is my another way of me qualifying a student or qualifying a potential buyer, is that how well are they prepared for the meeting? Like, I'm going to get in and talk about myself. Like, I can give a shit. Like, this calls about you. This isn't about me at all. I hate when people ask me questions. I'm like, listen, man, I'm not too hard to find. Just type in this is Chris Ross and on the internet and you'll pretty much see me. You see a lot of sellers get to that personal relationship and they can't break into that professional trust just because they want to talk about themselves. Have you seen sellers talk about themselves so much that they get in the way of their own buying time frame? Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty annoying actually. It's, uh, it's one of those things to where the person doesn't care about you, right? The best thing you could do for yourself as a seller is understand that the person doesn't truly care about you. And yeah, you can build a relationship where they care about your well-being, but ultimately they're there, they're talking to you because they're thinking about what's in it for them. So all of your language has to be 
about what's in it for them. Now, if you're connecting something back to a story of your own, that's going to help them understand something further. That's another story, but if, if that's a whole nother thing. But you know, if, if you're doing that constantly or you're only talking about yourself, that's not going to get you anywhere. Right. And so you have to, but that goes back to why you need to set the expectation for that relationship. And even every single one of those calls before, you know, before you ever get into anything else, uh, because people will. So when I'm, when I have a relationship with a client, I will talk about how their kids are, right? I will talk about how their dog is, right? How are they feeling? You know, I heard you were sick. Are you okay? Right? I'm going to talk about this thing because that's a human element and I truly do care because right? I care about every single person that I work with, but it's not, you know, Hey, did you hear about what Sandy did last night in the, at the party? Right? Like it's not going to, it's not going to that level. Yeah. We'll have these conversations. Right. And so I'm going to keep it strictly professional, but I'm also going to be caring and genuine and, and, you know, how I feel towards that person, how I have their best interest at heart. I'm a big believer in whatever is inspiring me at that moment or that particular day is that I share that piece as in me sharing something about myself or sharing my experience with another prospective buyer, or it could be a coworker. It could be never my personal life because they, they don't give a shit. Once you're done with this buying process or the selling process, they're going to move on. If you did a good job with all confidence that you're going to be able to achieve whatever you set out for them to do, that's their journey. But you are a part of their journey. Remember that. To be honest with you, this goes back to people trying to rush people through the sales process. And you're trying to rush people through and they haven't even seen what was on aisle three. They haven't seen what was... What was the major benefits or features that your company is providing for them or them not really truly grasping? One of the questions I like to ask right from the beginning, when you were in high school or were you in school, what's the highest level of education? Like, oh, I graduated high school or I graduated college. Congratulations. What college did you go to? What high school did you go to? Did you play any sports? These are all discovery questions. But I make that shift over. It's like, how do you learn? I learn different than most people. I didn't discover this until later on in my career in my life, but I'm dyslexic. Like me reading information, I have to read it over again or read it out loud. And that's the audible piece. And I actually understand it or writing things down. What are some tips that you would give me how you process information for me to serve you better? What does that question do, Wes? Oh, well, it provides them with ownership. But what it also does is it allows them to set an expectation in their own mind that moving forward, you're going to deliver them information in such a way that they're going to understand. So now they're a lot more receptive to what you have to say. So like Wes, based off of my experience, me training hundreds of thousands of people, there's not too many things that I haven't seen or heard, but understanding pattern recognition and the human mind and how people deal with certain things and maybe sometimes in traumatic situations or a troubling situation. It could be that you get overwhelmed so much. I'll do my best as a trainer or as your coach or as a consultant or as your person of whatever. And I call it person of influence. I will do my best in all everything I have inside of me to make sure that I'm conscious of what you just share with me. Cause I know that's important for you. Say for instance, Maybe I'm having a bad day, Wes, or there's a lot of things going on and I'm trying to, I'm focusing on a different element or a different factor for you to make the right decision moving forward in this process. 
Could you do me a favor and communicate to me if you're starting to feel that your mindset or something is slipping in different areas of a warning zone? Or of course, definitely when you get to a danger zone, you definitely need to tell me, but I would like to catch it before that happens because it's important for me to provide as much clarity as possible to for make sure that you actually understand the information and you enjoy yourself during this process. This is an amazing system. And you see how I'm layering, literally taking that glue and I'm sticking it to that foundation and putting brick by brick, brick by brick. So guess what, Wes? When they're going through the process and say, for instance, they see something because I can't control all the internal factors. Now I do because I own the businesses. But the main thing is, is I don't, I didn't control all their internal factors when I was learning all this stuff as a salesperson. And I would tell them, if you ever see something or something rubs you the wrong way, I want you to sit down and I want you to remember this conversation. Can you do that for me? Yeah. You got to set that expectation. That's a, and that's a beautiful way of doing it because you're not only setting the expectation, but you're also getting them excited in the same breath. Right. And so, but it's like you're opening the gateway for them to, to ensure that they're not going to run off without coming to you, right? Because you know, if somebody comes, if a buyer comes back to you, you can handle that, right? right? You can handle that emotion or whatever they're, they're going through. But the worst case scenario is they're not even going to talk to you anymore, right? So you got to set that expectation. That's part of the authority piece, right? right? So going back and building that authority and being, being able to say that, you know, now takes your relationship with that person to a whole nother level, because now they're viewing you as an authority, right? So this is this is my this is a person I go to to solve all of my problems, right? That's exactly. what's kind of going into their into their mind. And yeah, you don't need to be able to. And I tell people that I set the expectation. Hey, at this stage, you may feel this type of fear. Mm-hmm. I will say that straight up to somebody. You may feel this type of fear. Understand that that's normal. I'm going to normalize it. I just understand that that's normal. Okay, and when it happens, reach out to me, right? right? Because I've been through it. I understand what you're going through. Right, so give me a call and, and you'll reach out to me because we can we'll talk through it. Whatever your process is, I mean obviously for myself, I don't want them to call me because the next thing you know, they'll sparks up fear and uncertainty inside themselves. I don't know, maybe it could be an abandonment issue, <laughs> abandonment issue with themselves. Like I don't fucking know. But the whole thing is that you're bringing up some valid points and some huge touch points and tie downs. Those tie downs that you're doing. Can you explain a little further on that for the listeners that may not understand that piece? Yeah. I mean, think think of a tie down as exactly what it sounds like, right? You're tying it down and that could be tying down. People think that you're just tying down a sale, right? That's only one little piece of it. You have to tie down every part of that interaction and every part of that expectation, right? So with everything that you say, and you'll hear me do this a lot, I'll say the same thing twice or three times, right? Or even five, six times if I need to in many different ways. But what, I, what I'm trying to do is get it into their own mind of what they really need to do, right? And then what's going to happen. And so a tie down is ensuring that you're using the right type of language so that there is no chance of one person, that person veering off in a direction that is counterproductive to whatever it is that you want them to do, right? So that goes back to every part of that interaction, right? If I need, I want you to do something because it's going to result in X, right? And I don't want it to result in Y. Right, so what, that's where understanding again. It's funny. It goes back to understanding your buyer, right? So if you understand your buyer and what they go through and what they may be thinking, feeling, doing, and all of those different things, you can implement those tie downs all the way through and put, you know, uh, you put certain measures in place to ensure that they're not going to go off track to hinder exactly what you're trying to do with them throughout that sales process, like we literally just did 
with that fear piece. That's an interesting point of view. And I hope everyone sees how easily it can be done if you're laying the bricks and on that foundation and not being able to tie down every single opportunity. I tie down everything, Wes. Everything is tied down. I want to make sure that I'm crossing the T's, dotting the I's with every particular or every prospective buyer, every single last one, because those missed opportunities create objections. Right. It goes back to my original point. Yeah. Every missed op. I want you to view objections. Start viewing these objections. Like I missed something in my process and I didn't do my job. Right. So when I say to you and Wes says to you, we don't often get objections at all. It's because we're knocking down every single piece that we need to do for them has nothing to do for us. It's not like I can't handle the objection. I can handle it. But I actually dare someone to give me an objection. And that daring is that I'm able to deal with those situations and tying down that one particular piece and that one comment that I made. If you ever feel like yourself slipping or putting yourself into a warning zone and there's something that I need to know to be able to serve you better, can I get an agreement that you'll actually bring it up with me? Can you can you let me know, please? Like, yes, absolutely, Chris. And because it's important to me that you grasp this information because when I move forward with this process and say, for instance, I do recommend you for XYZ product, then I want to make sure that I'm confident on my level that in my own mind that you can handle it. That's powerful if you're able to deliver it properly. But say, for instance, you're going to leave yourself open. This is where a lot of salespeople fuck up. <laughs> this is where they really fuck up with. They'll leave themselves open to that and then they're not communicating with the buyer anymore because now they got further along in the sales process and now they're getting sales breath. They're like, I'm going to make this sale move on. If say for instance, Wes, well, before our meeting today, I got an email from you and you said to me, Chris, whatever, Wes, tell me the issue. Uh, Chris, I'm, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed and I'm, I'm scared that I don't have the funds for all this. I'm not sure if this is the right fit for me. That's a valid statement. And that's, and that can be a very concerning feeling that's probably bringing up a lot of self doubt. Would, would you agree to that? They'd be like, yeah. But how would you characterize this issue or potential problem? How would you say it? How would you view it? They're like, well, I don't know. Like, how? who do I need to include in this conversation? Does someone else? You see how I leverage that? Who else do I need to include in this conversation? We talked about your surroundings and people maybe influencing you in a negative light or maybe preventing you from taking action on certain programs, products, services, or making shifts in your life. Because sometimes in life, and I, I could tell you this from personal experience, they're never going to see me in a new skin because it's their own story and their own thing in their own mind that's preventing them from, from doing that because they don't believe in abundance. So if you ever have someone negative in your world, maybe it could be, you don't have the money for that. Why would you go do that? That's a scam or this is whatever. I hear a lot of this bullshit. It's kind of hard to tell people when it's a scam, when it's a nationally accredited business. So it's like, go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's not, a, you know, I love that. I can't wait. So that's the beautiful thing about our business is that, you know, I've spent so much of my time focusing on what the buyer goes through 
and tapping into some of the skills that I do possess from the years of experience of understanding accreditation and understanding success ratios, understanding, you know, people going and getting placed into jobs or getting, you know, starting their own business, whatever it is. But there would be zero satisfaction rate if I didn't understand how to tie down these pieces that Wes is talking about. But the next question you would normally ask is who might be harmed as a result of this issue? Yeah, that's a huge piece. Where I'm angling this question has zero to do with yourself, but it has everything to do with the people you love. Who might be harmed as a result of this issue, not including yourself? If I said that to you, was that disarming? Yeah, well, it absolutely is. Because now it just put me in a vulnerable state. And now I have to answer to the the obligations that I have. Did I come across as the protector? Yeah. So if I'm coming across interviewing me as the person that's going to protect them or give them the solutions they're definitely going to need to stop feeling a certain way, because it's one thing that we can't stop doing is feeling emotions. It's just, you can't stop feeling emotions. You can't stop the way it makes you feel. I'm going to be honest with you. My wife might say things to me and then it'll make me feel a certain way. But if I say things to her, I'll make her feel a different way. The same freaking message. It's about how they're understanding it. That's the biggest thing about sales is how can you communicate it to speak their language and having them to see things in your light. That's it. Right. What are some ways that you can do this efficiently, do you think, Wes? Share with them. Well, one, it comes back to you have to have an open relationship with that person, right? And what I mean by that is that's where setting expectations is truly open and and tying things down is extremely important because you're, you're, what you're telling them is you may experience such and such, right? And when you do, I need you to take this type of action, right? And so again, building that authority, that first piece of it is building that authority and how you come across, that's extremely important. And from what, you know, what you're saying, Chris, about building that point where you're like, you're the protector, Right, that's actually a really, really important one. Right, you're the go-to. Obviously, you want a healthy boundary, but you are the go-to person for how they feel. And just thinking about you makes them naturally feel better, right? Because you're opposite of what they've experienced. So be opposite of what these people typically experience, right? And those questions that you're asking, Chris, that can go a long way for any industry. Right, it could be somebody that decision makes a, an impact on their company, right, or on the company they work for, the company that they own, right? right? So. How, That's the biggest piece. Yeah. So how how does how does not taking such and such action affect the overall outcome of whatever it is that th- that's important to them, right? And then you know mm-hmm. who's suffering, you know, because of how. And and you're not going to say you, I never tie things down from this perspective of if you don't take action on what I'm telling you to do, then you're not going to have that result. I never want to do it that way because that doesn't come off right. You actually put somebody in a more defensive state that way. What I typically do is you're going to dig into some of those limiting beliefs or what stopped them in the past. And then you're going to say, how are those things, for example, affected you? And if you continue that way, and that's usually what it is, is stopping them taking action with you, is if you stop doing that or if you don't stop doing that, what do you think is going to happen in the next three to six months? Is anything going to change? Right? Who's going to be affected by it? How are they going to be affected by it? Do you want something better than what that is? You know, And then I'm going to bring it back. Next question I ask is, how can I help you avoid that harm? And then repeat back what they said. Paraphrase. 
that's going to make it real in their mind where now it's a big deal for them to start viewing you as how can you help? And here's and here's the next question. I'm going to, I'm going to hit you up, Wes. Where do you think we might obtain more information that would help us resolve this problem? Now, what I've done is remove the frame and put it back on them to find the answers. I'm not going to tell them the solution yet. Yet. Notice I said yet. Would you like me to point you in the right direction where you might find that research or find the answers you might be looking for? Really excited about you actually putting forth the effort to doing that because I want to see what you come up with and I'll do some research on my end as well. I, I truly I truly hope that everybody just, just heard that because if if you don't get it yet, I'm going to tell you what just happened. And it's, you're telling the person to solve their own objection. Right? That's pretty much what you're doing is you're telling them, so this is the objection, right? Go solve it. Right? And that's pretty much how you're putting the ownership back on them. Right now, people don't understand that piece. I don't have to solve your objection. Right. I don't have to solve whatever it is. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to show you through my questions how it's affecting you and you're going to feel that. And then I'm going to get you to commit to changing it. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's my role. My role isn't to do it for you. My role isn't to show you how something can be better, right? We can talk through it. You know, it's not for me to get you to whatever that thing is that's better or, or do it for you. My, my main role is to get you to identify it and commit to changing it because ownership is everything. Right. And so you, and you should be handling that way before it ever becomes a problem or becomes something that is going to stop them from taking action on whatever it is that you want them to take action on. And that's why it's important to truly understand your buyer. Next piece. Well said. Well said. I think we're, we're actually exposing so much on this call and I, in, in this episode. I hope everyone's writing this shit down. People charge a lot of money for this type of information and we're giving it away on a podcast. Do you know why? Because we don't give a shit about the money. We make money doing other things. This is what we do to have fun and this is what we do to express ourselves and to be able to serve people on a different level and different capacities. But there, here's the main freaking point that I want you to write down. And if you haven't already been doing this on your calls, if I don't give a shit, if I never tell them to write something down, at the very beginning, I'm going to tell them, do you have a pen and piece of paper handy? Because you might want to write down some notes or some key things that I'm going to mention that's important for you. That's a whole different... What I just did there was positioning, <laughs> right? right? And I just set the stage for me giving a lot of value. And, and me sharing knowledge that's actually going to help them and what's important for them, not important for me, what's important for them. And I want, and also you can check back on that and hold them accountable to see what they writ, wrote down. Like Sally, we're approaching the end of our call and I want to make sure that I'm respecting your time as much as I know that you respect mine. That's an indirect message. What I would like for you to do is, do you have anything written down on your piece of paper today from our meeting to reflect back on later? No, I don't. I want you to write this down. Remember when you said to me that you would do some research, what I would like to do in the next five minutes is to discuss and come up with a plan of action for us to be able to work together on this. And for us to work together on this, I'm going to need to know what you're going to search for first. What do you think? And this is, this is your opinion. You need to tell me what you think. What's most important to you about that harm or whatever you insert, whatever it was, what's the most important thing to you? Write that down. You don't need to tell me right now. Write that down. We'll recap in a minute. What's the least important thing to you? 
what would be the best outcome for you? And then we'll get to the next set of questions is what's so difficult about you making the right decision based off the information you're going to find? I just set the stage for every piece of them solving their own problem. What am I going to do, Wes? I'm going to move on to my next fucking call. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to go move on to my next call. I don't need to go do research. I got enough value. I got enough knowledge. However, I will check on their homework, holding accountable, and I will provide and point them in the right direction because I don't work for you. I will work with you, but I don't work for you. What's the difference in that type of mindset and that switch as a new salesperson or maybe just someone that hasn't made any money for a while because they're still doing shit the wrong way? Yeah, you get what you put out, right? You get what you, 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 Your time as a salesperson and, and what you do on a day-to-day basis is dictated by the expectations that you set, right? So if you put it all on them for them to do it and bring it back to you and you're, you're, you're putting yourself in that authority piece, they're not going to waste your time. Nobody, people... When I work with clients, if they have to catch me or reach out to me at a time that it's not during our normal, you know, scheduled time, mm-hmm. they will apologize for it, right? And 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 of course, I'm going to tell them, hey, don't worry about it. Don't you know, it's it's okay. Don't worry about it. They, even if it's an email, like I'm getting, I get an apology and an email. Like you're just emailing me, right? And so, but again, because they understand how much I respect my time, but they still feel that they can come to me, right? And so. But I have set the stage and I set the expectation. So set the stage of what your ideal outcome is with that client, what you want them to do and what you don't want them to do, what you want to do and don't want to have to do and execute on it based off of the expectations that you set and and how you go about that interaction. Another point, what do you think the buyer is going through? How are they receiving these questions? Do you think, Wes? Well, if you, it depends on how you how you have positioned yourself, right? So... That's why positioning yourself in the beginning is is key. Now, say that you have done that. Now, the person that that buyer feels that now they're on a path or they're on a journey, right? They're they're not being sold to. Okay, they're not. This person on the other line isn't just looking out for themselves. They're looking out for them, and now they have complete ownership. So now they're not focused so much. And this is why you know how you shift focus is important. You know, they're not focusing anymore on. What do I get out of this person, right? Or what is this person's intention? They're no longer feeling that way about you. Now they're like, okay, what do I need to do in order to be able to have the best result or the best outcome, right? Because Wes or, you know, because Chris said I have to do such, such, and such, right? They feel guided. That's why people go to school, right? Because they want to be guided, right? And, and it's the same thing here, right? You are guiding them through that path. And now they are, they're feeling a lot more relaxed, they're feeling a lot more confident, which is key. Okay. And now they feel like they're truly on the right path moving forward. And now you have set their alignment. So the logic and in, in what's happening behind their emotions as well. And they have a much more positive experience moving forward. And they are more likely to listen to what you have to tell them or take action on what you tell them to take action on because now you set the stage. Sometimes when people bring problems to me, Wes, and, and address those, and it's not a problem. It's just they're viewing it as a problem. I'm viewing it as just a, a stepping stone to them getting to the end result of an outcome and that's success because everyone's got to go through it. You got to go through it. It's going to hurt like a bitch to break through all this shit's been holding you down forever. 
it's going to hurt, man. It's going to be difficult. That's why people don't do that well. I mean, you see a lot of people in homeless shelters and whatnot. And I know there's a lot of traumatic experiences and things that happen to them, but that's the whole different shift as well with the mindset is realizing that life is happening for you, not to you. And I understand, you know, other uncontrollable circumstances make it difficult, but not to get off topic here, practicing humility, practicing being true to yourself and being authentic, practicing being vulnerable in that vulnerable state is a very scary time. I like to put myself in a vulnerable state as much as possible because it's so difficult for me because I'm not scared of shit, (laughs) you know, like I'm not scared of anything, man. And, and to be honest, like that's one of the major reasons why I push so hard and I push clients so hard to where they think they're going to break, but that's where they're going to have a breakthrough. It's not just about you. It's about everything that's happening around them and their environment as well. And so that's why you can't change their environment, but you can change the experience that they have with you and the expectation that they have that they can always come back to you and you are the guiding force in their life that is going to take them to where they truly want to be. And so that's why when they are, when they deal with bullshit, they know how to handle it better and they always know that they can come back to you, you know, when, when, when that's kind of taking over. I hope everyone's paying attention and paying very close attention. If you're having a hard time going through your script, going through these notes, listening to your sales manager or lack thereof, could be whatever. And I hope you view this podcast as, a, as an outlet to be able to, or a resource to find some type of clarity on how to do this properly at a very high level. But if you're searching for the right questions, write this down. Start your questions with who? What? When? Where? How? Why? That fucking simple. I can go for a whole fucking day, Wes. But here's another thing that great salespeople do, Wes. And Wes, you do this a lot. I don't make statements or you don't make statements. I take those statements and tweak it and turn it into a question. Keep them talking. They'll tell you what you're looking for. Keep them talking. Over 90% of salespeople fail fail to use diagnostic questions. Mind-blowing to me. When doing so, it can dramatically change the outcome and especially how the buyer is feeling about you. I can give a shit how they feel about me personally, but I did say at the beginning of the call, they will respect the value that I'm able to share with them because that's what I'm there to do. I'm not there to be your friend, but I will make sure that I'm going to keep your best interest at heart because that's my moral obligation as a professional. As a master of my craft, that's my freaking job. I'm not going to let you do things that you don't want to do. When you ask a closed-ended question, like, is it possible for you to meet with me on Saturday? You'll likely get a yes or you'll likely get a no. But that answer can be turned into a diagnostic question like this. This is what I would like for you to do, Wes. I know that I gave you a lot of information today, a lot of information. And to be honest with you, I feel a little bad but that it's so much that you're going to need to process and reflect back on. i tell you what, would you propose if it's appropriate? And I do have some availability on Friday afternoon between 3.15 and 3.30. It doesn't need to be long, just a check-in. 
Because I would hate to see you go through a whole weekend being unsure about the assignments and the things that we're trying to accomplish together. How does that sound? Makes sense. Did I provide clarity? Sure did. Chris Voss, not Chris Ross, Chris Voss. You ever read the book, Never Split the Difference? Yeah. Great book, right? Yeah. He talks about, you know, finding out where the no's are buried. And then there are at least five benefits from every single one of these no's. The first no is allows the real issues to arise. The second no is to protect people from making and lets them correct ineffective decisions. Notice I said decisions, not a choice, decisions. The third no slows things down so people can freely embrace their decisions and agreements. The fourth helps people feel safe, secure. You're not comfort zone bullshit, the warm and fuzzy feeling, and in control of their decisions. That's not how growth is, though. You've got to be uncomfortable. The fifth no, moves everyone's efforts forward. So when you tell me no, if you ever have a chance to talk to me on the phone, I'm telling you right now, you better, I'm going to, you're not going to get to that second one. You're not going to get to the second one, but I'm not going to tell you that's the wrong answer. Some would view West that, and I'm just basing this off of my experience and what you're bringing to me at this time is very important. However, it's not for me to make that decision with you right now. Here's what I propose. What I would propose is you do a little bit more research on how this can affect you three years from now in your business, because you mentioned that you own a business. It's generating a lot of revenue. But if you make this decision and say you lose your company, how many lives is it really truly affecting? And then most importantly, what is your emotional state and what's going to happen because of that for you and your family that I'm shifting everything. I'm shifting everything off of me because it's not my baggage. It's not my bullshit. This isn't my life. This is your life and your journey. I'm here to point you in the right direction. Why do salespeople take too much and put it on themselves, Wes? Because they feel like that's what they need to do to get the sale. Fuck that sale. Right. I mean, if you want it that bad, I'll wire it to you. <laughs> right. Whatever your commission, I'll wire it. No, don't worry. I don't give a shit. Whatever. And I'm not paying for everyone's fuck ups, by the way. <laughs> Using diagnostic questions are extremely helpful for your sales team, especially if their request or likely be met with resistance and pushback. If the request is rejected altogether, have them ask more open-ended questions and that will reveal the why and what their fears and constraints are. The sooner your sales team understands that information, they're able to jump out in front of it and unlocking potential solutions. Slow it down. Get connected. Ask more diagnostic questions. Then you're able to move over to anchoring and framing. And these are two beautiful skills that you have to master to be an effective salesperson. But I have great news for you. You've been doing it your whole life. I'm just going to point it out for you to see what you've been doing. Anchoring is landing your idea or request. Framing is building the perspective. They're starting to see things in your eyes and your viewpoints. It's how you package or back up your request. You might say this when you're anchoring and framing. And I'll make an example. Now that I've been given the responsibility to discover opportunities using what I call the budget evaluation, 
I'm really concerned that you may not have made that shift over to start viewing money as a tool. Is that a fair assumption? And have them talk. But if they don't speak and they give a one-word answer, you'll say, what I would like to propose is for us to take the time to discuss the importance of getting closer look on how I can help you succeed. How can you help me work that out? So let's break down what I did. The anchor was the request to look at their financial situation. The frame was the concern for the buyer to gain clarity to see the opportunities. If you are making this request, what I want you to notice is how the framing is not just about being a good seller. It's about how you can benefit your buyer. What's in it for them? So as always, ask yourself, how can you get a little bit better each day? That 1%. So keep moving, keep growing, keep learning, guys. Hope you got tons of value from this. Let's go win our day. Take care. Thank you for taking your time and listening to today's podcast of The Win-Win Effect. As a thank you for listening and tuning in, Chris is rewarding you with a placement course webinar with his team to point you in the right direction, success. In success, it's all about living a better quality of life. So at the very least, subscribe to the Win-Win Effect podcast so you don't miss the next episode. Feel free to share on your social media or simply tell a friend about it. Also, please rate and review the podcast. To find the free webinar and more information, please visit tcrconsultingagency.com.